everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. We have been in our second civil war for over 50 years now. A bunch of disorganized men are going to rid this country of abortion restriction. Doctors must protect life from the point of conception. Are you sure you want to do this? You're a liar. You did this. You led me down this path. You didn't want them. You seen the post this morning? I saw it. Idiot. There's a leak. They've got Hollywood on their side. This is a conspiracy. It ain't my mommy. Kill me. We found a girl in Texas. We'll give her a pseudonym, call her Jane Roe. We found the right pregnant girl and the lawyers we could control. When you see a kid out of law school get to argue to the highest court in Texas, we want to rally behind the women's movement to get the TV media on board. What he's trying to say is I am the first Negro woman to graduate Harvard Medical. Faith in God, respect for his law. You should join us. I promise you'd have more freedom. But we weren't Jewish, so we didn't say anything. And then they came after the mentally deficient. But we were deficient. So we did nothing. And now they're coming after the unborn. And so you're going to do nothing? It's God's duty to forgive. It's ours to rule the law. Here to share this and more is director, writer, producer, and actor of the highly anticipated Roe v. Wade, the real story you've never been told. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a pleasure indeed, director Nick Loeb. Director Loeb, Nick, if I may, welcome to Testimony. Thank, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, it's great to have you. Nick, you are an accomplished actor, writer, producer, and now director debuting your just-released, powerful, and moving Roe v. Wade with a stunning cast, some of which include the legendary Academy Award-winning John Voight, Stacey Dash, John Snyder, Robert Davi, Corbin Burnson, and Joey Lawrence, just to name a few plus, my good friend and executive producer, Dr. Alveda C. King, whose cameo role as Mildred Jefferson's mother and yourself as the infamous Dr. Bernard Nathanson makes for a very moving and authentic look at what no other film in history has ever talked about until now. So let's get right to it. Question, why was it important for you to do another documentary on Roe v. Wade and what makes your film different from all the others? Oh, well, I just wanted to sort of clear up. So the, the, it's a feature film, not a documentary. And and uh, the reason we made it, because no actual films have been done uh, on Roe v. Wade. Um, there's been a lot of documentaries, but not no one's actually really done a, a feature Hollywood movie. Um, there was there was one in 1989, um, but it really was the story of Norma McCorvey, 
uh, and really didn't touch on Roe v. Wade at all. Now, Roe v. Wade is your directorial debut, if I understand it, and already, prior to official release, has garnered numerous awards and nominations, which on paper, Nick Loeb, sounds great. But in reality, question, how difficult or easy has it been your journey to cast, fundraise, and then market a movie most would say is this nation's most controversial subject and highly contested, quote, law of the land, the passing of Roe v. Wade, 1973, legalizing abortion. Can you elaborate? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think films in general, you know, independent films are hard to get made in general. I mean, I think we had some extra difficulties you know, with, with financing, I've been in the film business for over 20 years, uh, and typically I would get financed out of Hollywood, but um, Hollywood wasn't going to finance this film, so I had to go to independent uh, investors, uh, which, made, which made it challenging, um, especially we wanted to make uh, a film that wasn't just a, a very small-budget film, a film that really looked real and authentic uh, and entertaining as well. Um, and so there was, you know, I would say the fundraising was, was the biggest challenges. You know, the cast, to be quite honest, wasn't. I mean, you know, we, we wrote a really, really good script. Um, when John Voigt read the script, he loved it. Um, and he even called me to compliment me on, on how much, um, how many details and how much he was educated with the script and how well it was written. And I think a lot of the actors um, were really drawn to the script and drawn to the roles they got to play because, you know, actors love to play prestigious roles and being able to play you know, a lot of our main talent played Supreme Court justices, and these guys were sort of legends and pillars um, of the legal community. Uh, and be able to play these guys, I think, was was uh, fascinating uh, for these actors. So that that actually was, you know, pretty easy. Wonderful, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to director Nick Loeb. His explosive just released Roe v. Wade. Um, and Nick, I was struck reading a little of your own backstory, if I may, having suffered the loss of two of your own children by abortion, and then just recently your fight to claim full parental rights to two frozen embryos created uh, during your relationship with actress Sofia Vergara, denied by the courts. Can you talk about the significance of that and the impact on you personally and why Roe v. Wade is not just a movie about women's rights, but men's as well in preserving life and not just aborting or freezing it. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, my, my own personal journey really, um, really didn't have much to do with me making the movie at all. Um, I, I'd say the, the main similarity, though, uh, I'm also an actor in the movie, and I, and I get to play Bernard Nathanson, and I went through a similar journey Bernard did as I did in my life. You know, Bernard, although was an obstetrician, I was not a doctor, um, had a conversion. He used to be pro-choice, as I did it as well, and why I was involved in um, two abortions when I was in my 20s. Uh, and then through his life and through mine, uh, we had conversions when we, when we really learned the truth. And so, um, you know, and I think, you know, really today it's important to get this movie out so people understand really how Roe came to be and how it was decided and... Um, you know, the truth of life. Amen and amen, which leads me uh, beautifully into my next question regarding Dr. Bernard Nathanson, the co-founder of NARAL, 
National Association to Repeal Abortion Law with co-founder Lawrence Ladder. Um, Dr. Bernard Nathanson was known as, quote, America's abortion king, end quote, having presided over 75,000 abortions, 5,000 of which he personally performed, including his own child. Talk about the significance of that in your portrayal of him and how that all changed for him when sonograms hit the market, he sees the child he's attempting to abort for the first time, and what happens next? Well, you know, I, you know, I, you know similarly to me, and, and well, maybe not in a way, when I grew up, I was taught that when a woman, I'm 45, when a woman gets pregnant, it's just a clump of cells, and there's really no baby there until it starts kicking. And so when I was involved in these abortions, I just thought, I didn't know we were killing a life. Um, and Dr. Bernard Nathanson claims a very similar story, you know, that, you know, you know, he really, when sonogram technology got better, he realized it was a baby um, and didn't want to kill lives anymore. I think the, the, the challenge with Bernard's story um, is that in the, in the old days, when you, when you did um, uh, a D&E or a DNC abortion, you had to reconstruct all the uh, baby parts to make sure that they had been removed. So I, I also was kind of quite surprised how he claimed to never really know when he always had to recreate the baby parts. He would then see it was a child. But, you know, you know his conversion really... Um, like and similarly to mine, didn't happen in one day. I know we portrayed it in the movie as such, um, you know, for dramatic effects, but really it was over a period of 10 years, you know, and uh, I think it took some time for him to have that conversion. Right, right. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to director Nick Loeb, also actor portraying Dr. Bernard Nathanson in the just-released Roe v. Wade, the real story you've never been told. Nick, Testimony's very first broadcast tackled the issue of abortion and a woman who had suffered two of them, yet never spoke of them for 50 years out of guilt and shame when release, healing, and forgiveness would finally come through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And a song yours truly was asked to sing called Precious Child, giving hope and encouragement for loss of any kind, but especially a child. That said, Director Loeb, how will the real truth behind Roe v. Wade help to heal those who have suffered an abortion and the multiple health and mental complications documented that can arise because of it? Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if the movie is going to actually heal folks that have actually had abortions. That actually, you know, in my opinion, make them feel more guilty. Um, you know, what, what we're hoping to, to accomplish by the film is really change hearts and minds of folks that sort of maybe on the fence or on the other side, to, you know, to really understand the truth of what happened. I think also we want to, you know, make an impact, you know, on, on politics today so people understand that, that the way Roe was decided was not correct and it should be reheard and sort of to push in that direction. Um, and also for people to truly understand uh, that when a woman gets pregnant, there's a life there. And so really, if we can change hearts and minds of people who are maybe on the fence, you know, I've done my job. You know, we had an actor um, 
who is in my film who actually converted during the, and I can't tell you who that is obviously, but he actually converted during the, the making of the movie. Um, and wow. so if I can continue to do that, um, and I've had a lot of my, so I live in a world, especially there, most of my friends are liberal and they're, they're pro-choice. And I've had, you know, some of my friends who have seen the movie, you know, have now taken pause um, to, to, to their beliefs. So, you know, we continue to change hearts and minds. I mean, the movie doesn't come out until April 2nd. Uh, it'll be available streaming uh, on Amazon, iTunes, um, and, and everyone's local cable pay-per-view. Um, and so hopefully when it gets out there, you know, your, your radio show can help reach some audiences that will go and, 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 and get convince their friends uh, to go watch the movie. Amen and amen, and I love this conversation we're having, which is leading me to my next question, and you just touched upon. The Supreme Court justice played a role in the recent 2020 presidential election that some might say smacks of judicial dereliction of duty and others backroom drama that avoided constitutional action because of technical jargon. Either way, 50% of the American voting population we're not happy with the results. That said, in the case of Roe v. Wade, Nick Loeb, and the Supreme Court's 1971 and 1973 decisions, what exactly happened both times and why? You know, you know it, it was challenging. You know, um, the, the court heard the case twice. I think the justices really made their decisions, you know, based on public pressure. Um, and family pressure. I mean, at the time, you know, there was very little technology. There was very little understanding um, of, of abortion today um, and back then. And what we know now, and I think, you know, they were really pushed. I mean, there was a huge women's movement going on at the time. Um, and, and the left formulated this as a woman's right. And I think the justices felt that they were voting for, um, you know, voting for uh, life. They were voting against women. I don't think they, a lot of them truly, truly understood um, the ramifications of, of what they were doing. This is why it needs to be reheard. Yes, no doubt, no doubt. The film is beautifully portrayed, very powerful and impactful, uh, wonderful job. The scriptures tell us that, quote, my people perish are destroyed for lack of knowledge, Hosea 4, 6. As a man of Jewish heritage, Nick Loeb, as Dr. Bernard Nathanson was also who later aligned himself with the Catholic faith, uh, becoming pro-life and an advocate for truth and life until his death. Where do you find yourself in that equation? Your faith, or do you? You know, I, uh, you know, my father's Jewish. I was baptized Episcopalian and raised by an Irish Catholic nanny. Um, so, you know, I, I sort of have a, uh, I, I sort of have a. Just a you know based Judeo-Christian belief, you know, sort of a, uh, a mix. Um, so you know, I believe I believe in God. Um, the decision I, I came to as being pro-life, um, honestly, really had nothing to do with God. It really had a lot to do with science. Um, and so I, I, you know, I really realized that this was a human being. I mean, God. I think God played some of a spiritual role in this. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, when you can Google. Uh, you know, fetus, and you can see there's arms, legs, and a feet, and then you can hear a heartbeat in the first couple of weeks, and you realize it's it's not a, a clump of cells or gabagoo. Um, it, it's a human being. It's a life, and and we, we shouldn't be killing innocent innocent lives for any reason whatsoever. Um, and I think that 
you know, um, you know, um, my faith may play a little bit into it. Um, but you know, I think at the end of the day, if you look at youth coming out of university, all they're, they're becoming more liberal on, on, um, gay marriage and transgender issues. They're becoming a lot more conservative on the life issue, exactly for the reasons I laid out. Exactly, exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, again, director Nick Loeb has just released Roe v. Wade. Uh, Nick, you did extensive research, as I understand it, having read over 40 books in preparation for this movie and consequently providing a, quote, fact-check page anyone can reference at RoeVWadeMovie.com, some of which address the left's strategy to deceive and propagate lies one, Norma McCovey, a.k.a. Jane Roe, the media and branding of abortion three, the, quote, Catholic strategy to split the church for the Supreme Court's, quote, legislating from the bench, end quote. Of the four listed here, which in your mind was the most egregious and damaging and why? Wow. Um, you know, that's a hard, I think it's a combination of all of them. I mean, I think, you know, I, and I, and I, and, you know, I think you would have to see the movie. I mean, when you, when it comes to Jane Rowe and Norma Corby, you know, I, I people, so a lot of you are going to see the movie and be disappointed because she has a very, very small role. I mean, she, the, the, the character that plays her really is only two or three scenes. Um, and what people will understand and realize is the reason we did that is because we were actually following historical facts. She wasn't involved uh, in Roe v. Wade barely. I mean, essentially, uh, Planned Parenthood and the National Association of Repeal Abortion Laws were looking for a woman they could just sign up. And they, you know, they met her, they signed her up and never talked to her again. She never, you know, really wanted to change abortion laws. That wasn't her goal. Her goal was just to, you know, have an abortion herself. Um, and they completely lied and, and manipulated her and used her. And it's, it's really about the movement that used her and how they got there and then how the court really made their decision. Exactly. Now, talk about the, quote, Catholic strategy of all faiths that support life. The way that the Catholics were targeted is quite interesting. Can you elaborate? Yeah, so essentially, um, and which still goes on today, um, the pro-abortion side, needed to come up, you know, really with somebody to vilify and they wanted to utilize the media to do that. Um, and so instead of coming up with one person, uh, they sort of lumped in the Catholic, uh, and that was their goal and they had a whole plan. And so, you know, for, I'll give you one example of things that they do any, any, anytime, you know, somebody was mentioned in, in a newspaper, an article, you know, they, he would be labeled and described, you know, it, you know, for example, it would say, you know, um, Robert Byrne, a Catholic, did X, Y, and Z. But it would never say Betty Ferdan, a Jew, did X, Y, and Z. And so they would specifically label Catholics as Catholics when they were trying to infer their uh, wrongdoings going on. Wow. Now, the media had a big, huge influence on what I would call the branding of abortion. Quote, it's a woman's right to choose. Talk about that and those behind that narrative you portray in the film. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was just, I mean, it's simple. You know, they just, it was, you know, they try to claim it was her body, her choice, right? So, you know, if it's her body, her choice, they should have, you know, a right to do whatever they want with their, with their own body. They never really separated and said, well, you know, life inside is a separate and unique 
body. And I, I think a lot of people really didn't understand that at the time. Um, first of all, second of all, um, my body, you know, a, a woman's right really was derived out of a previous court case, Griswold v. Connecticut, which really happened, you know, about four years before Roe, which created the right to privacy. And essentially what they did is, is they utilized this right as a blanket right says, you know, you can have the right to privacy to do whatever you want, um, to do whatever you want, right? You have right to some privacy between you and your doctor. So if you and your doctor decide to do whatever you want, it's private and nobody else can know. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, privacy is not in the Constitution. Uh, it was, you know, it was some sort of created right out of a court case. Um, and, and privacy can't just be a blanket right. I mean, I can't, you know, I can't go to my doctor and then, you know, shoot the nurse and say, well, you know, that was privacy between me and my doctor. Only my doctor knows. So, you know, you know, you can't, you can't just have a blanket claim, claim to privacy. And I think this was what led to, you know, the right of a woman to, to have her choice, her body, her choice, um, be able to make those decisions. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's not her body, right? It, you know, maybe inside of her body, but every body is defined by, uh, you know, by DNA. And the body inside, you know, the, the fetus, the baby that's inside, has a completely separate and distinct DNA from the mother. So That's it's right. really not part of their body. They're their own body. Exactly, exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, director Nick Loeb, Roe v. Wade movie. Um, Nick, the legendary John Voight is brilliant and stellar as usual in his role as Supreme Court Justice Warren Berger, as well as Stacey Dash in her role as Dr. Mildred Jefferson, talk about the significance of the real-life characters they played and why it's important we know their contributions. Well, I mean, you know, they played the, the, the justices that, that made the decision on the court. I mean, essentially, that was, you know, the whole, whole purpose of the film um, is to sh show how they decided. And I think what's really interesting, especially from a Hollywood perspective, is nobody's actually ever done a movie where you see the inner workings of a Supreme Court for, for, any, for any case. And I, I think what's interesting in this scenario is that how much control and power um, Warren Burger sort of wielded with the court um, and then how um, and how much he was influenced by his, his family. Um, and I think that's very, very interesting to see uh, how that worked inside the Supreme Court. Exactly. Now, Stacey Dash, who plays Dr. Mildred Jefferson, talk about a little of her history and contribution and why the black community should really be celebrating her, but because she was pro-life, they don't. Yeah, I find that, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, I, and I like to say, you know, any, any African-American that has sort of um, broken cultural, economic uh, barriers or any kind of barriers or achieved tremendous success um, has, has been lauded. Um, you know, she was the first African-American woman to graduate from Harvard Medical School uh, and, and at that point in time in history, I mean, that was an incredible accomplishment. Um, and, and no one's heard of her, right? I mean, if she was pro-choice today, she would be revered and, and she'd be constantly in the press and talked about and this and that. She then became the second president of the National Right to Life and became a, a huge influence uh, on the pro-life movement in America today. And her goal really was to, you know, she felt that abortion was the number one killer of African-Americans in the country, in this country, which it is. Her, her feeling was that abortion was sort of eliminating her race. Um, and that's why she took up the cause in the fight. Exactly, exactly. Any last commentary in our remaining time here today, Nick? 
you obviously have a passion to get the truth out. Um, you've had lots of, well, I would say, drama in your own life regarding uh, the topic of uh, Roe v. Wade, the movie, The Real Story You Have Never Been Told. Um, talk to that one listening right now that is considering having an abortion. Well, I, you know, I wish they would, you know, go see the movie before you decide to have the abortion uh, and go get a sonogram. Uh, I mean, there's been, you know, there's been a lot of study out to the show that, you know, 80% of women who want to have an abortion, that if they hear, if they hear a sonogram first, um, they change their mind. And lastly, Nick Loeb, Planned Parenthood, the real culprit in what they claim protects women's health, but really in the end is just a mill to end life your thoughts yeah i mean planned parenthood has sort of been complicit in all of this i mean they were the ones pushing the agenda what's interesting you find out i mean the, the folks planned parents have always known um that it's a human being in a, in a life i mean you'll see in the film that there's they even discuss it in the 60s they have a pamphlet uh with helping women have abortions and they describe you know they they define an abortion uh is is the killing of a life um is the ending of an actual human being so um you know, I, I think, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, this, you know, um, our president, you know, our ex-president did a tremendous job at removing the rights uh, of Planned Parenthood by, de you know, defunding them um, and, you know, putting more money towards women's health clinics that can perform abortions. And hopefully that will continue. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to award-winning producer, actor, writer, and director Nick Loeb, whose latest explosive, Roe v. Wade, The Real Story You've Never Been Told, is a must-see. You can learn more about Director Loeb's work, ministry, and mission by visiting RoeVWadeMovie.com. That's RoeVWadeMovie.com. And get your tickets, support this film, and then tell a friend. The life you save may be closer to home than you think. Nick Loeb, thank you for taking precious time to share just a little of your own story and how now your fight to save lives, tell the truth, and be a voice for those who have no voice is a good fight we can all get behind. Your fabulously produced and star-studded movie, Roe v. Wade, makes the case, and powerfully so. We thank you. God bless you and much success. Shalom. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. We found a girl in Texas. We'll give her a pseudonym. Call her Jane Rowe. We found the right pregnant girl and the lawyers we could control. If we don't sort this out, fur will fly today. You were trying to control this warrant, old buddy. That is completely unethical. In the matter of Roe v. Wade, I want the case re-argued. So you want to enslave women? I gotta go before I blow a gasket. We got the majority. We're gonna win. This is beyond the authority of the Supreme Court. We are the law of the land. These girls should not be put through the pregnancy and should be entitled to an abortion. The true silent minority. Who is speaking for these children? We will hear arguments in Roe against Wade. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensen Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. 
Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensinebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony 